0: Praise God, for the last few weeks we've been in a series entitled Influence, How to Gain It, How to Use It. Today uh, we're going to be speaking specifically about six ways to make the greatest impact with others. Did you know that Jesus came into this world to save us, but he didn't come to save us only to take us to heaven, but he saved us and gave us new life so that we could use it to influence other people. A lot of times we become very selfish, we become very self-centered in our lives, and we forget the fact that God has placed us here on earth that we can truly be an influence to other people. So no matter who you are today, no matter what your net worth is, no matter what you think about yourself, you can have the right kind of influence on other people that will truly make a difference. But of course, the practical question comes, well, what do I have to offer? What can I do? We learned last week that Jesus actually instructs us that we are to be what? Salt and light. Both of those are influencers in the lives of others as well as the culture and the communities that we live in. But how do we accomplish that kind of influence? What do we do? Are there some primary influence agents in our lives that possibly we can maximize and transform in order that they can be used to influence others? I believe that there are. So I'm going to share with you this morning six of those. You ready for them? You don't think I can get all six in, but I promise you I can. Here we go. All right. Number one, our integrity. You might have never thought that your integrity could influence others, but it is truly one of the primary influencers that we have available to us. Socrates once said, the first key to greatness is to be in reality what we appear to be. That, that is truth, isn't it? It's not the Bible, but it's still truth. All right. And integrity has to do with the fact that we are at one. We are undivided. We are what we seem to be. In other words, our talk and our walk line up. Integrity is critically important. Someone once said that image is what people think we are, but integrity is what we really are. You know, a lot of people put on the right a different show, don't they? They put on one kind of a veneer, but in reality, there's something else. Integrity is something that will never disappoint. Image, our image, which impresses people, doesn't impress God. Integrity will impress God and others, all right? So our image impresses people, but it promises a whole lot, but usually produces very little. But your integrity will never, ever disappoint. I really have found in reading and studying that integrity has more influence than we can imagine. Did you know that in a study that was done by the UCLA Graduate School of Management, they were talking about the five qualities necessary to be a successful employee and someone that rises through the ranks. And they found that uh, in all of those that they were interviewing, 100% of the respondents ranked integrity among the top Five attributes necessary to be upgraded as an employee. Do you know the Kozin Posner, the well-known leadership? Uh, scholars wrote in their uh, well-known study about leadership, out of all the attributes and qualities that you would admire and that you've experienced in a leader, what is, what are those and what are the most important? Did you know that the only quality that was consistently mentioned across the board and what people admire most and cause them to want to follow a leader the most is, guess what? Integrity. Integrity is what we are on the inside. Does the Bible speak anything about integrity? A whole lot more than you can imagine. Jesus speaks of the concept of integrity, even in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 when he speaks about us being what? Pure in heart. He's implying that an undividedness in following God's command is integrity. And that integrity not only implies undividedness, but moral purity. And that will influence people. Oh, there's so many Bible references to integrity. For example, 1 Kings chapter 9 and verse 4, God was speaking to Solomon and he said this. He was preparing him to be king and he said this. He said, walk with integrity of heart and uprightness as your father did. We need to walk with integrity. David said in 1 Chronicles 29, 17, David said, I know, my God, that you test the heart, but you are pleased with integrity. When God tests your heart, does he see integrity? Does he see the character, the moral purity on the inside of your life that is bound to influence other people? Psalm 78 speaks to us about the, the life of David as king in verse 72. And it says, speaking of his leadership, it says, and David shepherded them with integrity of heart. David was a man of integrity. Solomon was instructed to be a man of integrity. And Proverbs ten nine says, He who walks in integrity will walk securely. You have nothing to fear. You don't have to be afraid about someone discovering your lies. But, he goes on to say, He who perverts or corrupts his ways will always be discovered and found out. Have you ever noticed that about life? So, it's not so much what happens behind uh, that someone does or even if they make an error, but if they continue to live without integrity, sooner or later it's going to be found out, isn't it? Sooner or later. Integrity is important. It's a great, important influencer. If you'll walk with more integrity, if you'll ask God to help you keep your motives, your attitudes, your inner life right, your integrity intact, you will find that your influence will make a positive impact on the lives of others. Let's talk about another example of an influence that really makes a difference. One, our integrity. Number two, our words. Oh, we should have figured this one out. Words have great power, right? Proverbs, once again, speaks to this and says that in the tongue, there is what? The power of both life and death. Life and death are where? In our words. And the words we speak, and sometimes we think of that meaning it has death and life power for death and life for me, and it does, but also other people. We can kill other people with our words. We can wound other people with our words if we're not careful. The Bible tells us again in, in verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Our words can, we have a choice in our words. Our words can be encouraging, as Hebrews uh, chapter 10 tells us that we're to be encouragers. We're to encourage one another. How do we do that? One key way is to speak words of encouragement to one another. Our words can be comforting or our words can tear down. It's been estimated that a talkative person will use 30,000 words a day. How many of you think you exceed that? Anybody? Yeah, there might be a few here that exceed that. Some of us might fall below that. Wouldn't you think it would be wise to ask ourselves a few important questions like, how may these words, abundant or few, affect other people? How, what a difference will the word or words that I use really have? Proverbs says it so well in chapter 16 and verse 24. It tells us that the healing power that our words can have when it says kind words, what kind of words? Kind. Kind words. Are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the body. Ephesians emphasizes the same principle, saying, Let no unwholesome, unhealthy word proceed from your mouth, but only words that are good for what? For edification. Try asking yourself the question. When you speak words to people, it doesn't matter whether they're family members, whether they're a spouse, whether they're uh, friends, neighbors, whether they're people that are on your workplace. Ask yourself, will these words actually build up? Edification simply means to be built up. Will these words build up or will they tear down? And by the way, some of us just need to flat clean up our words. Come on, someone say amen to that, right? I mean, do your words, does your communication represent Jesus Christ? That can be a convicting question. Loving, tender words of encouragement, words that bless, words that bring life are the things that we should desire to do. The Bible actually says that we need to have words that will give grace Not judgment, grace to people who hear them. How many of you would agree with me? We need to work on our words a little bit to have better influence. Two hands with them. Okay. (laughs) Moving along. Number three, our attitudes. What do we have that can influence other people? Our integrity? Our words? What about attitude? Uh, Kara and I used to kind of i mean it became such a common thing raising uh, two boys that we didn't have to go into great depth there was a certain point in life where we would simply look at them and say attitude mm-hmm. just wanted to say just remind them of attitude and they knew exactly what we're talking about do you know that attitudes have an amazing power because attitudes can be contagious It can be like a bad cold or it can be a blessing depending on your attitudes. And the thing we all have to remember is that we choose our attitudes. We choose what attitude we're going to put on. It's just like choosing whatever color of shirt or skirt or shorts or whatever you're going to wear. You choose what that is. Might we also think about choosing the attitudes that we put on on a daily basis? Philippians tells us in chapter 2 and verse 5 that we ought to have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. How many of you stopped to ever think, wonder what attitude Jesus had about this? What was his attitude about people who attacked him? He had plenty of those. What would his attitude be about this topic, this subject? That's a great question to ask, and all of us should make it a practice. Winston Churchill, the great leader, uh, who, who found himself in maybe one of the most challenging leadership situations uh, in history, is known for saying that attitude is a little thing, but it makes a big difference. A big difference. Uh, one of the quotes that I always keep handy is that it reminds me, it's the best thing I've ever read about, about really describing the power of attitudes. It's written by Chuck Swindoll years ago. And let me just read it to you. Chuck Swindoll says The longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on my life and others. Attitude to me is more important than education, it's more important than money, than circumstances, than failures, than successes, than what other people think, say, or do. It's more important than appearance, giftedness. It will make or break a company, a church a community, and a home. The remarkable thing is that we have a choice every day regarding the attitude that we embrace for that day. We can't change our past. We can't change the fact that people act in a certain way. We cannot even change the inevitable. But the only thing we can do is play on the one string we have, and that's our attitude. I'm convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And so it is with you. We are in charge of our attitudes. This morning, let this be an attitude check because your attitude, good or bad, will influence those around you. How many of you have experienced that? Number four is lifestyle. Now, Paul tells young young pastor Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2, he said, don't let anyone look down on you. Why why did people look down on Timothy? His age. Yeah. Well, I used to really struggle with this because I started out in full-time ministry at 18 and uh, became a full-time pastor at 21. And everybody's like, you? And I used to think, Jesus, defend me. Lord, you called me, Lord. And I memorized that verse. Don't let anyone despise your youth. Sometimes I forgot what the rest of the verse was. Anyway, the rest of it says something really important. It says, Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example. Set an example for others. How? In speech. We covered that one. In conduct. In love and faith, in purity, set an example. So, in other words, the way you influence people—it's not age that's the big influencer. It can be inhibitor, or it can be a plus. Uh, I, I I found that having a few gray hairs actually—I I refuse to try to cover them up. It helps me. It helps me. But uh, the truth of the matter is that what really counts. Is not our age and not even how much you know, but it's the life you live, your lifestyle, how you conduct yourself on a day-to-day basis. Paul uses Ephesians chapter 4 to emphasize this when he says, we ought to all live a life that is worthy of our calling as believers in Christ Jesus. If you're a Christian, if you're a born-again believer, there is a lifestyle that is becoming to you as a Christian. But unfortunately, many Christians today live like the devil Monday through Saturday, and then they come and act like an angel on Sunday. Come on, someone say amen, am I right? Too often it happens. Our lifestyle ought to be consistent with what Jesus, how he wants us to live. I have discovered that many people are simply not interested in Jesus today. They're not interested in hearing the good news of Christ. You know why? Because they have observed unattractive, inconsistent patterns among so-called Christians. And yes, as a Christian, we are Christians because of our faith in Jesus Christ, not because of religious experience, not because you were born into a church and you were baptized as an infant, That does not make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is a personal choice of faith to turn away from your old life, put your faith in Jesus, and be forgiven. Aren't you glad that it's not because of good works that we're forgiven, but it's by grace? None in this room would qualify. Am I right? None of us would be good enough to be saved, but it's by His grace. But once we're saved, once we're saved, The Spirit of God that lives within us wants to bring us to a place of our lifestyle being conformed to where we act and behave more like Jesus. I could give you a list of 25 lifestyle issues. I just chose three this morning, very simply. Number one, how about authenticity? That's a pretty good lifestyle choice, isn't it? What does it mean to be authentic? It means to be real. It means not to be fake, be authentic. Be real. It, it includes even being a, willing to be transparent with your life. There's nothing that's more of a turn-off than someone who just acts religious. They're just not genuine. they just not real. We need authentic Christians and authentic churches today to really influence our society. Would you agree with that? Authenticity is something we ought to strive for. Number two is consistency. Consistency. People, did you know people are watching your lifestyle? They're watching you. They're watching what time you show up for work. They're watching to see if you do your work. They're watching to see how you get along with your kids when you're outside, the way you treat your children, the way you treat your wife or your husband. Lifestyle makes a huge difference. Upright living pretty well includes it all, doesn't it? Simply living a life that is upright before the Lord. We're not talking perfection. No one in this room, none of us are perfect. We all have, we all have failures, and frankly, to be authentic, you are willing to admit it. But you no, know, simply by letting people know, you know, I'm not perfect. Uh, I'm forgiven, like the old bumper sticker said. Not perfect. Christians aren't perfect, but they're forgiven. But we ought to be striving that our lifestyles are exemplary to others. And don't hurt our witness, but actually enhance our witness and help people to see more of God as they observe you and me. Number five, number five, our care for others. We're talking about the things that we can do to impact others. What are the areas in which we can use our influence to make the greatest amount of difference? One is this, number five, our care for other people. The well-known saying is that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Care is one of the most underestimated, impacting influencers that we have. Why? Unfortunately, many times we live in communities and we live in a culture and we live in a civilization that isn't very caring. In fact, it can become quite just mean-spirited. Am I right? Too much. Too much so. Where does all the, where, where, where's the care when you really need it? The Bible exhorts us in this area in a number of places, uh, but for example, in 1 uh, Peter chapter 5, uh, f- chapter 5 talks about leaders in the church, and it challenges them to make sure that they're showing caring love for those that they lead. You know, uh, even as Romans chapter twel- 12 tells us, that we're members of a body, one body. But it's interesting that it says we're members uh, of one another. We form one body. We, we are to be interdependent. Yes, yes. Not independent, interdependent. And interdependency means we love one another. We show love and care for one another. What does it mean to care for one another? Sometimes it means just investing a time to listen. Sometimes it means doing a kind deed. Our most valuable resource is probably time, isn't it? For most of us today, we'd say, that's, that's my most valuable um, resource that I have, giving some time. I, I know of an incident that took place uh, some time ago where there was a member of the church that was, go, had gone into surgery, uh, a woman, and she was having surgery, and um, her husband was an unbeliever. And uh, it was a serious surgery, and uh, some folks in the church were showing care and love for her and, and dropping in and dropping off food. And, and as she came home from the hospital, they were checking in on her. Did you know that, that, that the, what was demonstrated, the care that was demonstrated for that woman over a few weeks of time, observed by her spouse, later, about a year later, he actually came to Christ gave his life to Jesus, and after talking with him, I said, what made what made the difference? What I know your wife's been praying for you for a long time. I said, what made the difference? He said, honestly, when I saw how much care her Christian family showed when she was in a point of need, he said, I woke up and said, hmm, that may be something I need to pay attention to. I know another case of a person whose family members weren't believers and they were the only believer in the family. And there was a situation in their household. There, were, uh, there was all kinds of crisis going on. And so people from the church uh, just began to reach out and, and began to uh, give encouraging cards and notes and uh, even came and offered to do some repairs around the house. And as a result of that, the entire family gave their hearts to Christ. Because of what? Just care. It's amazing what a little care will do. Yeah. I believe that influencers are people who listen. Influencers are people who care. Influencers are people who do kind things. Influencers are people who seek to understand others. And I think we can surely all do that. Let me offer to you one more, and that's one that we all can guess, couldn't we, our prayers. What are the key ways that we impact, have the greatest impact on others in our interaction, and in our connection with others and with even the society in which we live? Let's add to our list our prayers. James 5, 16 tells us what? That the prayers of a righteous person is powerful and effective. It also says in James chapter 5 that uh, that we ought to confess our faults one to another, pray for one another that you may be healed. Pray for who? Pray for one another. Prayer for one another is a powerful influence. And the person you pray for doesn't even necessarily need to know that you're praying for them. But it still has great power and influence. I don't have to tell you that prayer has power. We all know that. But the Bible emphasizes again in Ephesians 6.18, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. With this in mind, be alert and always... Keep on praying for all of God's people. Yes. Yes. Keep on praying for others. You and I underestimate and undervalue how much influence our prayers can have on someone, whether it's their 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 faith or their crisis or what they may be going through. Ian uh, e. Bounds, the well known author, advocate of prayer says things so well, and he says talking to men for God is a great thing. He said, but talking to God for men is greater still. He's so right. Praying makes the difference. Most of you remember the story of the movie that was made, uh, I guess it was 2015. Seems like yesterday. But the well-attended movie named war room and uh, how many of you remember uh, miss clara remember miss clara she was the older wiser woman Mm -hmm. elizabeth discovered that she uh, had to start fighting for her family in prayer rather than fighting against them Mm -hmm. and the power of prayer that miss clara demonstrated and her helpful mentoring and instruction on prayer is what you need don't fight with your husband Pray for him. I could stand here today and tell the whole story, but many of you saw the movie, you know what I you know the important the, the, the message of that movie. But the message is simply this prayer is what makes the difference, praying for someone else. I know that I'm standing here today, likely because of the faithful, consistent intercession of a believing mother. I actually would say to you that probably many of you are sitting here, most of you not are sitting here because of the prayer of someone someone go back and do your research someone was praying for you you say oh no i come from a from an unbelieving family i bet someone they don't have to be family somebody targeted you in their prayers may i encourage you don't get weary in your praying don't say, well, you know I've been praying for, I've been praying for him or I've been praying for her for 20-some years. that doesn't seem to do any good or not. Just be faithful in your prayers. The prayers of a righteous person is powerful. It's effective. It will work. Just you do your part and pray. Should we learn to pray more powerfully, more, more effectively, more strategically? Yes, of course. But please understand the power that your prayers carry in influencing others. This morning, we've seen six areas in which our lives can truly influence others. Next week, I'm going to talk about the power of leaven as an influence. And unfortunately, all three references to leaven, which, of course, we read about in the Bible, a little leaven, leaven's the whole lump. Next week, that we're going to look at it, but all three are bad. All right, So I just warn you ahead of time. All right, Preview of coming attraction, they're all pretty evil. But there's something you and I can learn from that, the principle of the law of leaven. Would you stand to your feet with me, please? How many this morning can say Holy Spirit was active in my heart and mind today, speaking and reminding me of maybe areas that my influence isn't where it needs to be, where one of those six things maybe I can really focus on where you could at least pick one or two of those and say, I'm going to, not just, that was a good message, Pastor, but you can say, I'm going to take that with me and make that uh, a matter of consecration. I'm going to do something about that. How many can say this morning, there's one or two in your mind right now the Holy Spirit's already pointed out to you. Would you raise your hand? Father, you see these hands, you see our hearts. Lord, we really do want to make an impact. Sometimes we complain that we don't know how. Lord, today we've seen six simple but powerful ways that we can impact the lives of others with things just like attitudes or words, the lifestyle examples that we set for others. Lord, all of these are doable. None of these are mountains we can't climb. They're all realistic for those who are simply serious about being influencers to make a real difference for the kingdom of God. So, Father, even as I pray now, I pray that the lives of these individuals today who are here listening to my voice, live or streaming, would make a decision to be a greater influence in the right way for you this week. We pray in the mighty Powerful name of Jesus. I want to ask our prayer teams to come forward at this time. You come here to the front, prayer teams. This is open ministry time available for you. If you have a need in your life, you have something that you are facing in your life. Doesn't matter whether it's material, whether it's spiritual. Doesn't matter whether it's financial or whether it's physical. Doesn't matter whether it's uh, social or job related or financial or whatever. We believe, as we've said, the power of prayer and specifically the prayer of agreement. And these teams are here to agree in prayer. Say, don't just say, I can do it on my own. Come on. We we need one another. Amen. We need the agreement of one another. So please take advantage of the prayer teams for whatever your needs may be. Pastor Todd is going to come. He's going to speak a blessing over you. Don't take that lightly. Words have power. Accept that blessing and have a very blessed week. Pastor Todd as you leave today, I do speak a blessing over your life, over your home, over you individually. As God increases your ability to influence others, I pray for an ability in your mind and your spirit to reject the influencers in your life that you need to. That God would cause you to rise up and be more like he needs you to be in your world. And I bless you today with health. I bless you today with joy. And I bless you today with only the things that Jesus can bring in your life that are beyond measure. Have a great week.